This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Is, I grew up in New York, um, the Lower East Side. I was there until I finished high school, and then I was in Yishalayim for 25 years. Both of these places are big cities. They're huge. And in terms of services, religious services, you had tremendous um, pick from different minyanim to different pizza stores to whatever else you want, um, different echsherim and so on. The one thing that you couldn't find there was a kehillah in a place that you owe responsibilities to it and it is responsible for you didn't exist in both places. And it's something that's, it's, 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 a, it's an important, it's important part of Torah and its big picture. Kehillah is a foundation for much of halacha. Um, and, and you don't have it when you have everybody and everything and anything. And I think, I mean, Baruch Hashem today, I'm in a place that has a beautifully well-developed kehillah structure, meaning a few kehillahs that work together as one kehillah, which is an ideal, so that there is room for different shades of people, but the common denominator supersedes a lot of the smaller distinctions. And it's a bracha appreciate. I don't need to tell you, but I, I can, you know, for somebody who's gone, and I do go to New York quite often, and it's something that's extremely, it's a chalik. We're living a chalik of Yiddishkeit that maybe some other people are not privileged to have because kehillah is something, if you, if today if you put the word kehillah into Oitzah Chachma, I'm sure you will get tens of thousands of, of, of uh, citations. It's, it permeates the Tshubisvar and Lefesvar and so on. Secondly, another personal note, um, when I was growing up, the Rabbanim were not the leaders of community in the sense they were sort of giving palliative care to dying communities. Some suffered more, some suffered less, but the, the, the end was pretty much the same. The people in my generation that changed us were the Rosh Hashivas, the, the Rebbeim Rosh Hashivas, who, are, who made B'nai Torah and, you know, from people out of the masses. The, um, similarly, the tshuva movement started with charismatic individuals with tremendous kohos and specific yeshivas and so on, and that was that movement. I think, and I see this because I have an ongoing relationship with the Mir and with many of my contemporaries and many daughters afterwards, there is a shift again where Rabbanim are becoming their most vital ruchnistic um, person, personality. Um, you like yeshiva, and you keep a cash to yeshiva, you, you come to the dinner, but at the end of the day, you're living in a, in, a, in a reality that's distinct from the yeshiva. It's got its own challenges and its own opportunities, and a rav who can, A, present a mahalach for growth, even for somebody in yeshiva. Even if you learned in yeshiva five years and now you're out there, there's still plenty of room for growth and nobody is supposed to remain frozen at the way it was at 25. And a rough to realize that the responsibilities today are towards helping people who are Torah to move forward, to meet challenges of life, 
and so on. It, it means that we need to move forward and so on also. Um, and our kahila is, even though it's a yeshiva, but we are in the dead center of the kahila, and many of our bottom have come from the yeshiva, and I live these challenges with them. And it's very important to realize that people need that type of leadership. And secondly, I believe in, I guess each place is a bit different, but Kirv has swung also a lot from charismatic individuals to kahilas. And people come and they can be absorbed in, and it's a whole different mahalach. So I believe a pendulum has swung back again, and a lot of the burden and the achrayas and the gratifying opportunities of being real leadership and not just caretakers to make sure, you know, cash is okay, people are taking care of, and that's it. I, I believe it's an extraordinary, exciting kufa for Rabbanis, and Bez uh, Hashem, everybody will give their chalik to bring Kalei's to, to the Gulish like Bez Hashem. I wanted to speak about a point, and it's me included, so to speak, and a, a point of chizik for ourselves as um, people that are nominally mashpiyim. It's a little bit of an obscure piece. I'm going to try to extrapolate out to the point that's relevant. One of the great Mikubalim was Ramosha Kurdaviro. He was the last of the old generation of Mikubalim that Rizal was the first and the Chosim on, on what we have today. Our Messiahs, they uh, overlapped. Ramosha Kurdaviro was older and he was in awe of the Rizal. So for anybody who's, who's into Kabbalah, doesn't need me, and the result is the result. Ramesha Kardavirov's forum are very chashiv, and he wrote one sefer that is used in Musar also, at classic Musar sefers used in Kelm and so on, called Tarmat everybody's familiar, and the Tarmat is built around emulating our Kaddish Baruch's Hanhagas, and how to implement each Hanhaga on a, on a practical way. That's the, um, the, the surah of the Torah Dvorah. And this is a piece in the third parik. Um, I'm going to just read a line or two, but I'll try to do my best to explain it. Of the midas that a Kodesh Baruch Hu uses to interact with the world, for all practical purposes, Chachma is the first one. And then goes out to Binance, and then they and the Chesed, so on and so forth. It means the starting point. And if we were to ask ourselves, what is the meter that is mashpia on the world at its very root, is chachma. And mi chachmasa, and just like any time a person does something, we would hope that it starts with his chachma, and it works its way down till its actual conclusion. Where does chachma come from? Pasuk says, chachma from somewhere. But that's it. So, he says like this, that a person needs to imitate the meat of Chachma. The meat of Chachma has two facets to it. One half of the midah is busy looking to the beyond and is not at all concerned with what's underneath it. Hapana sheni atachten, the secondary, lower half of it, pona lamata, it is facing downwards to focus on those inyanim that it is being mashpiyah to, 
A person needs to have two strata of personality. There is one part that is aligned with HaKadosh Baruch Hu and alone with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Not, he's misboded in Kono. It's not including anyone else. In order to keep adding Chachma and recrystallizing the Chachma he possesses. Hasheni, the other facet of the person, the other strata, to teach people of the Chachma that God spoke without him with. And he says, Just like part of the Chachma of Chachma is to give each one as is appropriate, it echoes, like it says, Avraham Vina, the Ramam says, would answer each one in accordance to what the person could be tofes. He gives each person according to what he could understand, and what he could possibly make use of. And he's careful not to overflood the person, because it'll create something bad will come out of it. The highest sphere does not add more than what the low one can get. So, the Ramak is giving us an extraordinarily fleshed out picture of what a mashpia looks like. And I think both halves are vitally important to be a mashpia. The first is that the person himself needs always to be open to moving forward on his own. And even if he'll never be able to use it. In other words, the material that I'm learning is not only for Drusha's sake. It's I need to change. And I want to explain why. So you could say everybody is besides a person being a Rav or Mashpia, a person is also a human being, and now I'm going to give a person the Mechajman as well. That's true. But it's a lot deeper than that. He says, and I skipped a bunch of lines, I just, just want to get to the point. Chachma is called Chayim. Like it says, And therefore it becomes a source of life. The music of life, the difference between animate and inanimate is as follows. If I have something inanimate over here, I have a piece of wood. If someone were to ask somebody, why is this piece of wood here? The answer is because an hour ago or a day ago or whatever it is, somebody put it down here and no one's moved it. So anything that exists that's inanimate exists because it existed and you need something to change. If someone says, why is somebody alive? Because you were breathing yesterday doesn't answer it. I have, there has to be an ongoing process. Life requires to define itself in the present or else it's not life. So the dividing, the dividing line between the animate and inanimate is does it have a metzias that continues just status quo or does it need to create or recreate its metzias moment by moment? Halacha, 
Mayim Chayim means that it flows. It's constant flow. If it stops, it's not Mayim Chayim. So the definition of something Chay is that it's a constant renewal. And that's why Chochma, to Chaya Baler, and the Ram, famous Rambam, that Chaya Chachomim without Chochma is not a Chayim. Chochma comes as Chayim, which means it must draw constantly from somewhere else. And I think everybody can feel it as a mashpia. One, one of the occupational hazards of Rabbanis and Hashpah is burnout, dry out, and so on. It has a lot to do with if we dry out, then we dry out. If we're not drawing, if I don't come with my own personal, wow, I, I just heard something that's whole new mahalach, uh, something new, something that hasn't inspired me, then I can't, then I stop inspiring, then I just keep rehashing. It's, 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 it's part, it's not two separate facets because I'm a human being also, and I have my personal demachashma, and I'm a communal leader. If I want to do my job as a mashpia, then the mashpia needs to be drawing from somewhere. I, I want to give an example of something that I noticed that it was overwhelming. Um, when a person turns 60, it's a good time to start writing memoirs and wrapping up your life. You certainly aren't enrolling in any new courses anywhere, whatever. Revoldo was a great person. His Rebbe was Rebbe Rucham, and he wrote Sfarim and Beisam Musa, and he was Mashkiach, and 101 things. <clears throat> he writes in a Sefer, in a second volume that came out much later, at the back he writes a footnote, a note. He says, people have asked me what's the difference in first Sefer and second Sefer, and he says, the answer is, I was privileged to meet Rav Hutner, and it changed my life, and gave me a whole of this, and you'll notice his influence in the Sefer, and so on. He was about 60 when he met Rav Hutner. I remember sitting, I used to go to Rav Hutner to the, the Mahmarim, and Rav Volba would sit like a Talmud of a rabbi. And when Rabbi Yonason, Yuvodachayim, took over, he also sat like that. And I said to myself, a person at 60 is looking and searching and found something. He didn't become a Balchub at 60, he didn't reject his previous life, but he built a whole new edifice because he found something. It says so much about his own chiyas, and, and maybe that's why he was so effective with Talmidim, because he was able to, he became a different person, and there was a constant flow of chiyas downwards. So, so, so the Ramak is opening up our sense that every, there is no such thing as a closed-end mashpia, where you're only mashpia. Because then you just run out of, then you run out of material. The, 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 um, Eliezer is called Ur, is called cursed. Even though it was Doyla Mashke from from Sharabai. But that's the point. He, he basically had a pan of, of material, maybe a huge barrel of material, and he doled it out, and when it's finished, it's finished. Yitzchak redug the Be'eros. Yitzchak, uh, the difference in Yitzchak and Yasser, Ur means it's limited. It comes to an end and it dries up and dries out. When you're just dishing out and, and giving what's there, even if it's a huge amount, in principle, it's, it's, it's playing itself out. When you succeed in digging deeper and deeper, 
you're bringing more and more and more. I, I know, again, I'm speaking to myself as much as to everybody else. Um, if, if a person works hard and he does avadoso nemana, he's usually busy over his head. There's way too many things happening, way too many things going on. A person has a highest. I once read um, about the second thing, where he writes here not to tell people that are over their heads they can't deal with. I once read a fascinating story. The, the Salonim put out the Torah of the previous Rebbes. And the Nesiva Shalom wrote Hakdal. Nesiva Shalom is a beautiful, besides a beautiful writer, a deep person and, and sized up things. And he wrote about Reb Shmuel, it was two Rebbes before. He touched them up as being a Roya Nema. And he gave an example, he gave two examples. One example was he wouldn't learn Kabbalah on Friday. And he asked him why. He said, I have a Tish Friday night. I need to speak their language, not my language. And if I'll be learning Kabbalah Friday morning, it's going to be my language, not their language. So a person needs that. And, and it is so appropriate. A person has to shtoltzu to, like he says over here, kifi das and, and the, the mindset, the ability to understand the level of the people he's teaching. And that's obviously the most important thing for that hand. But a person, even if, we're not talking about material to teach. We're talking about nafshias. If a person himself is getting chios, which means only growth, there's no chiyos stagnation, then he passes on the chiyos in the Pasuk Chumash that he teaches, in the Aleph base that he teaches. If the person himself is not growing, he's not imbibing more, then, then what he passes on is, even if it's a huge amount that he knows, it's basically cut and dried, and it's lacking some inner vitality. So I think it's a point we, as people who are living mashpiyim, should be mechazik ourselves with it, we should be able to understand that we have a, 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 an extraordinarily difficult uh, um, um, stand that includes two almost conflicting elements, and that the one without the other doesn't go. The chiyos stops if you take away either the two, and you need to do two tasks that are Herculean, but they have to work together to be able to do the job. We should be zeicher to keep growing incessantly ourselves. We should be zeichet to, to, to be yonik from chiyos kol And we should be zeichet to give kifi the mekablim, what they want, what they need, what they can understand. And we should be part of the, of the great Torah's chayim that the Kodesh gave Kaisra. <laughs>
um, his peer or more. Um, even, you know, I, I mean, I was fortunate, I, I taught Nesha Torah for a few years, but I was in Yerushalayim, so I was one seder in the mirror, one seder there. Um, it's a little harder in Silver Spring because I'm a nutik a little bit and try to make a chabura of peers who say chaburas, we learn a different Indian, they talk about different things. It's, I mean, those are things where, even though it, it, we feel sometimes a little bit frustrated because then we're taking away time to prepare for what we need to prepare, but we understand it's important. So if, if a person has peers and, and you learn that opinion that you're not, don't, you're not, don't have the mindset, I'm using this for practical things, but I'm using this to grow myself, I think that that's a, a possible. If a person can Skype with a chabur of people that are chashuvim from him, rebeim, things of that nature, but it becomes harder as time goes on. It doesn't mean I've been many years in the business and I still have yet to meet someone who's a Tzadik Nezov, but I think it's the other way around. Because I've been so long, I now have a different perspective that I see that. Let's take a, a simple example. Um, I was speaking last night to a group of students that are not from, uh, they're part of some of the Kirov thing, and... Litvish Jewry that came to South Africa basically stopped becoming from, either on the way here, before, whatever it is. But there were certain things that were given over, and when people come back, you, you see those shrushim become alive again. Um, and it's helpful when you see people who, when you see a long kufa, and you see people who've wandered <coughs> off, and maybe that child because of something you heard from his father, or because of a certain thing that was built in. Um, you know, like, this is very different than the States, for instance, this type of thing. I was speaking, I asked one of the students, and this is not from kids, she said, you know, because at home we're given a sense of the value of Judaism, and so on and so forth, so you need to trust. We, we, we say in Aftarah every 
every single tainus. Kedoshev devarei reikom. Kodesh Baruch Hu's dibur never comes back um, empty. It's like water that goes into the ground. It may not sprout immediately, um, but it'll happen. So it's easier when you get a little older. And I see, you know, you, you see people going off places, disappearing, and then one day you see somebody, and wow. So you, you just learn that, if something is part of our Muna Shlema, that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is eternal, and that his Devar Hashem is eternal, is that even if it's hidden, if it's real, if I said it and I said it, you know, and I gave the message, maybe he doesn't hear it today, maybe he doesn't hear it tomorrow, he may hear it someday, he may echo it to his child, he may allow his child to go to yeshiva. Someone came to me, um, the, the, the kehillah that I came to was a kind of a modern kehillah, I mean, the yeshiva, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting relationship. The yeshiva sits physically in the middle of the and it's sort of, people come learn there, it's not official, it's not a rabbinist, and there's paid it that I not be involved in community affairs, but topless, we, we happen to be very in, integrated. And someone said, I, oh yeah, of course, I thought that I went to yeshiva. I looked at him and I said, I don't have a, I mean, I, he said, my parents never saw yeshiva in their lives. They were from, but they never saw yeshiva, they wouldn't have let me go to yeshiva. They came in, they liked you, they thought you were nice. They said, it can't be as bad as they make it out. <laughs> so they let me go to yeshiva. And this boy went to Chav Yavne, they went to Chav Yeshiva, and then now he's a Rav in Baltimore. And he said, you know, it, it was that. I never would have guessed that. I mean, his parents are wonderful people. They, um, they actually have yeshiva all, all the time now. It, it's, it's something that you need to um, be miming that with the Emunah and HaKadosh Baruch Hu being eternal and his Devarim is eternal, like the Panevich Rav would come and tell people, wait for your grandchildren, they'll come to Panevich. You know, get Sitzis ready. It, it wasn't the Ruach HaKodesh Nevoah as much as a core Emunah that Emes finds its, it, 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 it shoots its way up. And it's very, I, I understand the emotional difficulty and it's true, tell me that you sometimes work hard with a Talmud and you work hard with a Talmud and you don't see you got anywhere. And I've been surprised pleasantly, many times, tell me that I really felt, yeah, I mean, it's okay, fine, I mean, that he's from, fine, but, I mean, he's sitting in shit for three years, well, what, where's that? And, and ten years later, you know, I'll get a phone call, I needed to check in with you, you know, this is, and this, I'm doing this, and what should I do here? And I say, well, <clears throat> where's that from? You once said something that made an impression on me, you once did something that made an impression. Yes, it's, it's um, we need deeper emunah, I guess. I mean, one of the things that Chabad accomplished in America, before the Kiev, that you could be Makayev, that a Yid is a Yid and has a Neshama, that axiom didn't exist. I mean, this guy's a Shegetz. Look at him. Talk to him. You know, this, this, he's a total Shegetz. He's still Hachasnik. But as long as the President of Shem Yisrael, he, there's a Neshama there. You may not get to it. You, you may, the Goyen says in a place, he speaks about the different... Um, Neshama is a different, the different Nitzitzes of Kedusha. He says the Nitzitz of Kedusha that's buried in the Kalipas is a stronger Nitzitz because it's, it has a tough enough shell to survive even the Tumah. So someday this Neshama that's buried in so much garbage will, will come out. So yes, it's, on, on the short run it's always frustrating, but, but I think as you move along and you see things, you see where people, where things made a difference to people, and their payers is because of everything else.
Thank you very much, Avalofiansky. We really appreciate uh, your time and effort and uh, your beautiful words of chizuk, which is a tremendous chizuk for all of us. So we, we thank you um, most sincerely for that. Um, so uh, just a, a few items now on the agenda. Uh, Rabbi Fox, you want to maybe just... Uh... Everyone's aware that on Sunday, the 14th of session, we've got this um, seminar together with Rabbi Lachman and uh, lay leadership as well. Anybody who has yet to send me email addresses for the lay leaders that you would like to be invited, please do so as soon as possible. I think as we get closer to the 4th, people start to get their dates and their, uh, what they're going to be doing on that particular Sunday already in order. So if you want particular individuals, as I say, to be there, please uh, send me an SMS or WhatsApp with the email address of the people you want to invite. Uh, Reb, okay. Uh, sorry. Do you need to add anything further? Okay, good. I think it should be a, a wonderful opportunity. Um, uh, so I'd like to encourage people to respond to Rabbi Fox. I think that can be wonderful. Um, uh, Rabbi Jonathan Fox, um, maybe if you just want to just tell everybody what, what you're distributing. Um, um, so uh, recently the Kabbalah Kedusha ran an abuse awareness campaign one of the big projects was putting together this resource booklet of all abuse information to help perpetrators and victims of abuse. So a lot of effort was put into this booklet and I'd like to distribute it to everyone here. Okay, thank you. Then, yes, sorry. Um, as part of the separate conditions, uh, we're all aware that it's marriage week this week and they're doing a great job of bringing the awareness of child violence and working on marriages to the community. Um, there's a six-week course by Leonard Cole that's being run from Sunday evening. Um, it's something that uh, we should all encourage as many people as possible to attend. I'm sure most of your experience is similar to mine, that there are many people that are struggling out there in their marriages. And very often it's good people, they have good intentions, but just unfortunately don't have a good understanding of what a thorough moral model of a marriage is, or they don't have the tools to create child advice. And uh, Leonard's excellent, he's a well-recognized psychologist. He has uh, excellent Torah principles upon which, which he bases his workshop. So please, would you uh, encourage your people to go? I'm going to be sending an email out to the Sara group. If you could forward, forward it to your database, it would be greatly appreciated. It really could help a lot of people, and it's something very worthwhile. Thank you. And then um, also we, we just have a, another guest who's joining us, uh, Dr. Avron Urizen, who's been very involved in um, uh, re-establishing and reinvigorating <coughs> the work of the Hofitz Chaim Foundation in, in South Africa. And uh, they're working on, on, on a new project, which he's just going to spend a few minutes just to tell us about. So Dr. Urizen... Um, uh, please come forward. He's already done some, some good work in, in uh, working with the schools that have adopted the Chofetz Chaim um, uh, Foundation program to teach about Shemir Saloshan in schools. And now they have an idea for, um, for some chizuk in shuls. So, um,
while we um, while we waiting for all of that to be distributed, I just wanted to. Okay, are you ready? Okay, good. Okay, okay. go for it. Okay, thanks to uh, Rabbi Goldstein. I appreciate the time of five minutes, so I'll try and make it brief and short. Um, and thanks for giving me the opportunity just to present what I, to discuss what I, uh, to discuss um, the program that we're launching. Just to let you know, um, I've been involved for the last two years to re-establish the Chofetz Chaim Educational Foundation, which we, which we really are a branch of the Chofetz Chaim Heritage Foundation out of the States. Um, and we really committed, we're a non-profit organization, we committed to bring the programs that they run in the States to South Africa. Most of you will probably know the Chofetz Chaim Heritage Foundation for the Tisha B'Av video, and uh, thanks to Rabbi Goldstein who spoke this year. But that's really 1% of what they do. Their main drive and focus is to educate schools across the States on Shmira Saloshan, and they, they've got an office of well over 60 people, um, <coughs> uh, employed educators who are writing material uh, for schools on educating and the importance of Shemir Saloshan and these are programs from grade one. They're pretty much in primary schools, run through primary schools and girls' high schools um, to educate uh, individuals on the importance of Shemir Saloshan, on bullying, and all, all those topics that are actually um, involved in, in that area. One, so we brought it to South Africa on two bases. One, the school community program. Some of you may have been exposed to it already. And we're very excited that across the board, across all schools, right across the, the entire Jewish spectrum, from, uh, from the Cheda to King David and Herzliya, that we've had great uptake on our education syllabuses and programs into the schools. And I'm quite excited to say that... We've got close on 4,000 school kids on a daily basis learning at least five minutes of Shmira Saloshim every day across South Africa. So we're very excited about that. What I'm speaking to you today is another, on the other side, they actually run community programs. And they've run a very successful community program, which we're going to be launching in Elul through South Africa. And you as community rabbis and high school rabbis, we'd like you to take on as a program starting in Elul. And as I said, they ran, they've, they've been running this very successfully in the States. They've seen that the minute or so when individuals are taking off their tefillin and shuls um, is really a wasted minute. And what they've, they've done quite successfully is to get Hevra involved. So this isn't a shul that's coming from the rabbi. It's actually getting the Hevra involved on a roster basis to give a one-minute idea on Shmira Saloshan. Um, so that they can learn about it and be involved and obviously keep it top of mind because we know this is a, it's a huge area that, that everyone needs to work on. So what we're proposing to all you rabbis is that we'd like this to be launched as a shul community program across Elul. Get your chevra involved and what one can either use the daily Chofetz Chaim companion which we're getting at cost from the, from the, from the Kolal bookshop at 150 rand which we can get a copy and I think I've put on the on the notes that I sent out, if you'd like a copy, um, if you feel that this is best suited for your chevra, and this runs according to a daily cycle, um, or one can obviously get your chevra to say, go and do some research and give that second 60-second idea. We're not being prescriptive, but we do have material if you want it, or you as rabbis can encourage your chevra to go get the ideas and present, uh, present the material they get. We'd like both community shuls and high schools to be involved. We have, we have Quite a few high schools have already committed to the program. Obviously, that's where shuls are running on a daily basis. And we've had already a few shuls um, who are very keen to get involved. So it would be quite an exciting initiative if we have communities across South Africa learning one minute of Shmira Saloshan on a daily basis. It's worked very successfully in the States, 
and we'd like it. Uh, we'd, we'd, we'd like to do it here. What I've distributed is the, are the flyers that we'd be sending to all your shuls to get your partic- your chevra to chat to you as the as the as the leaders to speak to you about how the program's going to work. And if you're keen, please write your name down on the list with your contact number and email address. And also, if you are interested in the book, uh, please tick it and we'll get back to you and offer it to your shul at, at, at the cost price. And then you've got the material. And if we can launch it from the first of Elul, if you are interested, I'll, I'll put you on a WhatsApp group. And, uh, and we can actually start getting the momentum going about this learning, this important learning on a, on a daily basis. Thanks very much. If you've got any questions, I'll be here until after the... The session, thanks. All right, thank you, Dr. Urizen, uh, you know, for this and for all of the other efforts that you're putting in. Obviously, any area that we can, Machazik Betzibur in Shemir Saloshan is a, is a tremendous chus for people. It's a tremendous chus for the Yemei Hadin. So uh, I think in every way that we can participate is, um, will, will, will be very, very positive. And thank you. Thank you for your efforts, and as he said, uh, Dr. Yurzen will be around, you know, if you need to get any specific information from him afterwards. Um, are there any other issues? I just wanted to share one thought with you, um, but if there are other issues, then please feel free to, to raise it. Um, and that is, I think, an important, the, over the last um, year or so, there's been a lot of um, uncertainty and negativity around political developments in the country, um, you know, starting with... with um, with the with the attempt that uh, President Zuma did to to, to remove the, the finance minister and replace him with one of his own lackeys and uh, the the Nkandla judgment and many other things and um, uh, but what I, I do think there is an opportunity now that these municipal elections were the most important and historic elections the country's had since uh, since 1994 uh, and it really changed everything the the, the fact of the matter is that um, uh, the DA as you know is now uh, is is the, we have a DA mayor in Johannesburg, in in Chwani, in Nelson Mandela Bay, uh, obviously in Cape Town and and other municipalities, but uh, what what's significant beyond the, just the mere fact of, of these the, the change of government is the fact that the ANC now looks vulnerable for the first time. There, uh, against all predictions of all the experts, the ANC support fell to fifty three percent. That means between uh, the, the next general election is in twenty nineteen. From 53% to 49% is only a 4% drop. Uh, and, and here they dropped from well over 60% to, to 53%. So the, the drop to below 50 is not far. And indications are that they are keeping President Jacob Zuma on in his position. And I think we should encourage them to do that because the longer <laughs> they keep him there, uh, the, the more their support will, will, will fall. Somehow they, they, they can't or won't, or won't see that. But... Uh, without without getting involved in in open yeah. politics in shul, I do think that it, it is important to to give a, to use these these uh, municipal elections as an opportunity to say that um, South Africa is a free country, and with that freedom comes this tremendous blessing of of real democracy, and with real democracy comes accountability. Twenty nineteen is in play. That means there's a chance that the ANC will not be the majority party in 2019 anymore, which means there's a chance that the other parties can form a coalition like they've done in, in Johannesburg. The ANC got 44%, um, and the DA got 38%, and yet there's a DA mayor of Johannesburg because you combine that with the support of the EFF, and uh, they took control of Johannesburg. So the, 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 that means that whether or not that actually happens in 2019 is one thing. It also means the ANC is going to be much more on um, 
uh, careful about the way that it conducts itself because for the first time since 1994, it's, it's, it's vulnerable. But I, I do think that given the fact there's been so much uncertainty in the country over the last year or so, there is an opportunity as Rabonim to put out a positive message about what this means because it's truly an historic election that has changed the course of, of South African history forever. And I think that, that needs to be, we, we need to um, put that across to, to our communities. Apart from the fact that just to have a DA mayor of Johannesburg means that there's an opportunity for improvement of, of uh, quality of life for residents of Johannesburg because we've now got a government that we can actually work with in the city and uh, I'm already you know, uh, reaching out to them to offer them support uh, from the Jewish community to do anything that we can in our power to improve the city of Johannesburg. Um, and so that's also just on a practical level, but I, I just I, I really don't think that we should let this opportunity go by without using it as a as a time of chizuk for the for the tzibur. Um Are there any other issues or comments on what I've just raised, or any other issues that people would uh, like the opportunity to to mention here this afternoon? Okay, good. Yes. If you'll take Jacob Zuma, then we'll take Jacob. <laughs> Okay, great. So thank you to everybody for coming. There's, there's dessert. Please help yourselves. Uh, enjoy it. I look forward to seeing you next time. Please, God.